Hello and welcome to the Destiny Church Podcast. We pray that as you listen to this message, it helps you grow closer to God and inspires you to live like Jesus. Thanks for listening. Here's the message. So this week we start into, I believe it's week five of a series we've titled Little Foxes. If you've missed the rest of this series, I wanna advise you, get on Spotify, type in Destiny Church Missouri or Destiny Church Mo, because there's probably 10,000 other Destiny Churches. And, uh, but if you listen to this series, I promise you, it's gonna challenge you, it's gonna convict you, it's gonna encourage you, it's going to edify your spirit. Today, I'm excited to jump into week five This is the key scripture we've used to build the entirety of this series upon. It's found in Song of Solomon chapter two. It says, catch all the foxes, those little foxes, before they ruin the vineyard of love. Something we've talked about in the weeks past is that the two things God cares about most, the two things Jesus places priority on. In fact, when Jesus is asked by an expert in the law out of the 613 commandments, what's the most important? What's the most important commandments? He says, easy, love God, love people. So it would make sense if those are the two things that God places priority on, those are probably two things the enemy wants to disrupt, uh, separate, cause dissension within, right? If the spirit's gonna lead us into those things, the enemy's gonna scheme to separate those things. But here's the deal. This, this uh, little verse out of Song of Solomon, the, the writer, he's using symbolism, He's using imagery to basically say that little sins, little foxes, if left undealt with, can wreak havoc in our vineyards of love. Our vineyards of love being our relationship with Jesus, but also our relationships with one another. James talks about it like this. He says, temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away because sin's intention is to always separate, right? So it drags us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions, but here's the key. And when sin is allowed to grow, that's what this series is about calling out the sin that exists in our lives that we say, oh, it's no big deal. Oh, everybody struggles. No, 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 no. We have the spirit of God at work on the inside of us and we will not be mastered by anything, amen? So when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. You wanna see death in your relationships? You wanna see death in your intimacy with Jesus? Allow sin to grow. The series isn't so much a call to perfection, but it is a call to protection over our intimacy and our relationship with Jesus and our relationship with others. That's what this series is about. So each week we we take a little fox, uh, little things that wreak havoc in our vineyards of love and we call it out by name. And when we apply, apply the word of God to it and we sever any bond and we, and we sever anything that has us gripped or tethered to it. And I'm just believing that over the course of these weeks and the weeks we've already had, but in the weeks to come and even this morning, people are gonna get free. Amen? Amen. All right. So I, I wanna read our key passage. I'm gonna pray and then I'm gonna preach. Does that sound all right? Long key passage this morning. So lean in and we'll jump on into it. It says this. I, uh, you know, really this morning we're, we're calling out a silent killer. We're in Judges 16. A man named Samson. A little background. Samson is born into a prophetic promise. Uh, 
through angelic proclamation, we've seen that Samson is gonna be used as a, a, a rescuer, a savior to help set the Israelites free from their oppression with the Philistines. He has this divine calling on his life, but he's to live under a Nazarite vow. So don't touch dead stuff, don't drink booze, and don't cut your hair. If you do those three things, God's gonna use you in a powerful way. That's the vow that you're to honor. You need to honor God in that way, okay? So because he's not supposed to cut his hair, his hair represents his spiritual strength. Okay. There's a little background. So let's, let's get into it. Samson, uh, he's a strong, he has divine strength. Uh, he also makes a lot of mistakes. So here we go. Judges 16 verse four. Sometime later, Samson fell in love with a woman named Delilah. Everyone say Delilah. Delilah. Who lived in the valley of Sorek. The rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, entice Samson uh, to, to tell you what makes him so strong and how he can be overpowered and tied up securely. Then each of us will give you 1,100 pieces of silver, okay? So Delilah is on a mission. She's trying to secure the bag. You feel me? That's, that's she's trying to get money for those who may not know. <laughs> get cultured, y'all, come on. So Delilah said to Samson, my teenagers feel me over here, come on. So Delilah said to Samson, please tell me what makes you so strong and what it would take to tie you up securely. Like that's not a sketchy question at all. <laughs> well, let me tell you, babe. Samson replied, if I were tied up with seven new bowstrings that have not yet been dried, I would become as weak as anybody else. So the Philistine rulers brought Delilah seven new bowstrings and she tied up Samson with them. She had hidden some men in the inner room of her house and she cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. But Samson snapped the bowstrings as a piece of string snaps when it's burned by a fire. So the secret of his strength was not discovered. There's a warning, Samson. She's asked you these, she's asked you these questions and then it just manifests but let's keep sleeping with her. On to verse 10. Afterward, Delilah said to him, you've been making fun of me and telling me lies. Now please tell me, how can you be tied up securely? Samson replied, if I were tied up with brand new ropes that had never been used, I would become as weak as anybody else. So Delilah took new ropes, tied him up with them. The men were hiding in the inner room as before. Delilah cries out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. But again, Samson snaps the rope uh, from his arms as they were thread. Then Delilah said, you've been making fun of me and telling me lies. There's warning number two, bro. Are you getting sketched out at all? Are you that blind? Is the veil that thick? Golly. You've been making fun of me, telling me lies. Now tell me how to tie you up securely. Samson replied, if you were to weave the seven braids of my hair into the fabric of your loom and tighten it with the loom shuttle, I would become as weak as anybody else. So while he slept, Delilah wove the seven braids into the fabric. She tightened it with the loom shuttle. Again, she cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. But Samson woke up, pulled back the loom shuttle, yanked his hair from the loom and got to business, okay? Another warning. She ain't good for you, bro. <laughs> then Delilah pouted. How can you tell me I love you when you don't share your secrets with me? There's this beckoning. I want deeper. I want relationship with you. I want you bound. You see that? 
You've made fun of me three times now. You still haven't told me what makes you so strong. She tormented him, nagging him day after day until he was sick to death of it. Finally, Samson shared his secret with her. Finally, my hair has never been cut, he confessed. For I was dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth. And if my head were shaved, my strength would leave me and I would become as weak as anybody else. Delilah realized he had finally told the truth. So she sent for the Philistine rulers. Come back one more time, she said, for he has finally told me a secret. So the Philistine rulers returned with the money in their hands. Delilah lulled Samson to sleep with his head in her lap. And then she called in a man to shave his seven locks of hair. In this way, she began to bring him down and his strength left him. She cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. He woke up and he thought, I'll do like I did before and I'll shake myself free only to find out the Lord had left him. The Lord had left him. So the Philistines captured him, gouged out his eyes. They took him to Gaza where he was bound with bronze chains and he, forced, and he was forced to grind grain in the prison. Good encouraging verse to lead us into prayer. Amen. Come on, let's pray. Jesus, we love you so much. So grateful to be here. So grateful to communicate your word. What a privilege this is to do week in and week out. God, I pray for an anointing that it would be powerful and effective as we communicate your truth, that you would till the soil of hearts and minds right now to receive your word. Help us to apply your word to our lives. Um, God, we wanna be transformed by your word. We pray that you would sever our spirit from any spirit that's not of you today. And uh, God, we pray that you would be glorified. I pray this church would continue to foster kids in Jesus' name, amen. I just want to say before we jump into this, if, if you got young kids in the room, um, there will be a little bit of explicit content discussed today. If at any point you need to get up and walk out, if you don't want to expose your kids or you don't want to awaken love before it so desires, I totally understand that. But they're also, I think we need to recognize that we're probably going to hear this on the bus too. And better we hear it from our pastor than from a 14 year old. Amen? Amen. So, one of the first commands we see in the Bible was be fruitful and multiply, okay? God's not weirded out by sex. He's not appalled by it. In fact, he created it and commanded it. And I think we've sat through plenty of sermons, especially those who grew up in youth group, who were a part of youth group, where the pastor made every effort to scare us out of having sex before marriage. And sometimes I think the church has put such an emphasis on refraining from our sexual desires that maybe even unintentionally, we've demonized the desire for sex entirely. Like, how dare you get horny? You're a Christian, right? Come on. God's given us these desires for intimacy and sexual expression. There's a type of euphoria that's experienced when two come together. Those who got kids in the room, you know. Y'all were birthed in passion. Song of Solomon says it like this. Oh, how beautiful you are. How pleasing my love. How full of delights. You are slender like a palm tree and your breasts are like it's clusters of fruit. I said, come on, be mature, will you? Golly, I know exactly who that is laughing. 
I said, I will, I will climb the palm tree and take hold of its fruit. Be careful with my hands here. May your breasts, <laughs> may your breasts be like the grape clusters and the fragrance of your breath like apples. May your kisses be exciting as the best wine. The desire of intimate expression is a part of the way that God has divinely designed his creation. We feel it. it, it it's okay. Ain't, ain't nothing wrong with a little passion. Ain't nothing wrong with a little desire. In fact, you can write this down. God has a divine design for our desire that allows for delight and avoids destruction. Okay? God has a divine design for our desire that allows for delight and avoids destruction. Quick little illustration here. If you've grown up in church, maybe you've seen this. If you haven't, I came up with it by myself. <laughs> if I just put this together here, right? If I was just to start a little fire in the church, just, I, I know there's carpet and stuff, but I'll, I'll just blow it out. It'll be fine. Right. Oh, I have more wood. So it's a it's attached. Okay, just ignore the big plastic thing. Okay. Just. Is is this a good idea to light this fire right here? Why not? Well, maybe because it will cause destruction, but is is fire a bad thing? Okay, so I think I relate our sexual desire to that of a fire. Where if I just go build a fire anywhere, it could be really destructive, right? In fact, this carpet would probably light on fire and eventually the, the, the chairs would light on fire. And if y'all stay in here, your clothes would light on fire. You get burned. We got electrical stuff. This is really dangerous. This will cause a lot of destruction if I start a fire right here. But fire also provides light. Fire also provides warmth. In fact, fire is another way that if I'm camping, I can, I can actually make food. I, I can cook food over fire. Fire has a, has a lot of good things. It's, it's, fire can refine, right? When it's in its proper place though. Right. If, if the fire's kept in its pit, then it's not going to be destructive. It's not going to be burned. It's going to be helpful. It, it has its proper place. And in the same way, the fire is best kept in its proper place. God has a divine design for the proper placement of sex and for our desires where it will properly fulfill its purpose, right? This ain't old school. This is just Bible. But the divine design is within the confines of marriage between a man and a woman. That's our fire pit for our desire. Amen? Hebrews 13 says it like this. Let marriage be held in honor among all and let the marriage bed be undefiled for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. Now, today is a call to refrain from all sexual sin. And, and I understand the urgency in preachers and youth pastors to, to warn against sexual sin. We, we see that to refrain from sexual sin, it is God's will for, for us, for sure. 
The scriptures are so clear that God takes strict disciplinary action on those who engage with sexual sin. I just want to look at what the scriptures have to say about it. It is God's will. This is 1 Thessalonians 4, starting in verse 3. It is God's will. What's God's will for my life? What, what does he want me to do? I just, I just feel so lost. No, no, no. God lays out what he wants his will to be. He tells us. God's will is that you should be sanctified, that you should surrender to his spirit, that you should abide in his spirit, that you should keep your eyes fixed on him, that he should take the throne of your heart, that you die to your old self, that through the power of his spirit, you live in your new self, that you live set apart from the rest of the world. So I know the rest of the world says, yo, you should have seen this girl. She was looking so good, man. Yeah, we got to live together first to make sure that we can figure this out and do it and that it's really, and then we got, and then we got fires everywhere. And then we have emotionally damaged women. And then we, and then we have uh, uh, men who are, uh, they're, not, they're not men of valor, right? And we're like, oh no, it's totally fine. Yeah, you cheated on me. Can you believe it? It's just, and we just have these, we just have these fires everywhere. And it's like the church, we just, we want to go right ahead with the narrative of the world. And God's called us, no, 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 I've came to set my people apart. That your life isn't going to look like the rest of the world. It's going to be different. It is God's will. He empowered us with his spirit to set us apart. And and that's going to testify to the world around us. It's God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality. That each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable. This is worship. Our our purity is worship. Come on, I know y'all love Jesus. So control your body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like pagans who do not know God. And that in this matter, no one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or a sister. So men, we gotta be, we gotta be, uh, uh, honoring with our actions and with our words and women, we have to be honoring with our and glorifying to God with our actions and our words. The Lord will punish all those who commit such sins. As we told you, and we warned you before, this ain't a joke. This is God's heart. I care about my sons and I care about my daughters and I don't want y'all taking advantage of each other. And I don't want you living outside my design because I know it feels good, but you don't recognize how destructive this can be if you just light fires anywhere. This is his heart. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Therefore, anyone who rejects this instruction does not reject a human being, but God, the very God who gives you his Holy Spirit. Let's not make room for the little fox in the church with the friend. Well, everybody does it. Well, everybody struggles with it. Come on, we, again, I I just, we have the spirit of God at work on the inside of us who's sanctifying us, who's shaping and molding us to become more and more like Jesus. We gotta come into agreement with the work of the spirit. We need to 
tether ourselves to the work of the spirit. My prayer this morning is that, uh, that we would be severed from a perverse spirit, that, that our desire would no longer have a grip on us that leads us in, into these immoral lives, but that we would begin to rise up, that we would join with the power of the spirit and that we would begin to walk in purity because you need to hear this morning, purity is possible. It is possible. And I want to share these scriptures not to intensify your own condemnation um, in, in the room, but as Jesus followers, I, I know that we love truth. We, we want to take in the truth. We want to be set free by the truth. We, we want to live in truth because we trust his leadership. We trust where he's taking us. We trust his commandments and, and we will obey him with delight. And it's this hard, challenging truth that helps us get free. And I think it's so, so, so easily the narrative, everybody struggles with this, that, that we've turned grace into our justification for continuing in our sin. But I think some of us need to be reminded. Come on, I, I didn't read through it quickly. I made sure I read it. God punishes these types of sins. Not because he wants to hit you with a hammer and hurt you but it's his grace. He wants to protect you. He's guiding you. Come on, any parents in the room, if you didn't discipline your kids, would they be good kids? Would they live fruitful lives? Would they be able to uh, find a career and submit to authority where they could uh, make a life for themselves? Would they be able to be successful in their relationships if they could just do whatever they want? Or is that discipline it, it, uh, that they experience raising up in your house actually fruitful for the rest of their lives because you love them? It's not just because it's offensive to him, but when we indulge outside of his divine design, I also think he knows how harmful it can be to our own spirit. And I would go as far to say sexual sin, it affects us uniquely from any other sin based on what I see in the text. First Corinthians six says this, you say, this is Paul writing, to the church in Corinth, I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. And even though I'm allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. You say food was made for the stomach and the stomach for food. So what he's saying here, there was a slogan going around in Corinth where it was kind of this, this phrase, I, I can't remember if it's a euphemism, I don't think it's a euphemism, but kind of this like, it is what it is sort of expression, like it is what it is, so I can just do whatever I want or the outcome, it doesn't matter. The same thing, food was made for the stomach and stomach made for the food. It was this idea that's circulating through the culture that like, I got an appetite, so I gotta satisfy it. That's what it meant, and he's addressing that. That ain't the way we live because we have a sinful appetite and we need to starve that flesh so it can die, okay? So he says, you say food was made for the stomach and the stomach made for food. This is true, though someday God will do away with both of them, but you can't say that our bodies were made for sexual immorality. So just because your flesh burns sometimes, just because your flesh gets hungry sometimes and wants a little taste of something, you can't just go eat whatever you want. That's not the way we live. That's not how the spirit of God is leading us in life. They were made, your bodies were made for the Lord. 
I say it every week. We were created by Jesus, for Jesus. My life is not my own. He is my master. I am a slave to righteousness. I trust his leadership. Sometimes it's in opposition to what my flesh wants, but I trust where he's leading me. And I trust that he's leading me into good things, that he's working all things together for good, right? So I was created for him. They were made for the Lord and the Lord cares about your bodies. And God will raise us from the dead by his power just as he raised the Lord from the dead. Don't you realize your bodies are actually part of Christ? Should a man take his body, which is part of Christ and join it to a prostitute? Never. And don't you realize that if a man joins himself to a prostitute, he becomes one body with her? For the scriptures say the two are united into one, but the person who is joined to the Lord is one with him in spirit. I just wonder as we go around, as we build fires wherever we want, and maybe some of these habits started in middle school. Come on, maybe some of y'all like me were 16 when you lost your virginity, and it was just a battle from that point on. I, I don't even want to think back on all the fires that have started, but, but how many of us have gone around and started fires and, and got unions with all these different places and we felt the moral rot and we felt the spiritual rot. The two are united into one, but the person who is joined to the Lord is one with him in spirit. Paul says, run, flee. It's aggressive language. Run from sexual sin. And and, and here's why, because no other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. No other sin it clearly affects the body the way this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Don't you realize your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You don't belong to yourself. You don't belong to yourself. For God bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. Paul urges the church, you got to run from this crap. You got to flee this crap. You cannot allow it to grow. Then he states, no other sin so clearly affects the body like this one. And we talk about little foxes that wreak havoc on our vineyards of love. And, and, and some, there's something about sexual sin that wreaks havoc in our own lives that's unique to other sins. That's what the scriptures teach us. There's a greater measure of destruction experienced by this type of sin for us personally. And my goal isn't to condemn the room. My heart is to share truth that will help lead us into full blossoming vineyards of love. That's what I want. And I know that's what you want. In, in, in sexual sin, if, if we just continue to hide it, if we don't confess it, if we pretend like it's not there, if we keep hiding it from our spouse or, 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 or from our friends or whatever it is, it, it, that's perfect. If we bury it, we're giving it soil to grow and soil to blossom. Sexual sin is something that'll wreak havoc 
Now the term sexual sin is, is definitely broad and many things fall under that umbrella. And I don't have time to address every single one of those things head on this morning, okay? But any sexual, all these, all, all these scriptures, they're relating, as, as they mentioned, sexual immorality. That's a big umbrella. So we're talking about any sex outside of marriage, masturbation, homosexuality, adultery, swinging, orgies, uh, even something as strange as bestiality, which I pray isn't happening in the church, but the Bible's clear it's sin just in case. Uh, I don't have time today to unpack all these things because there's a long list of what sex outside God's divine looks like. But as we peer back into the story of Samson, I don't have time to go back and read the whole passage. So y'all remember the story we read in the beginning, right? What we know is Samson falls in love with Delilah. That's what the word tells us. He falls in love with Delilah but Delilah doesn't love him back. In fact, her intention is to destroy him. Okay. Samson has several opportunities to recognize that Delilah isn't for him or benefiting him in any other way other than his own pleasure. Samson eventually finds himself vulnerable with Delilah. He sacrificed his own intimacy and relationship with the Lord. So much so the scriptures tell us the Lord left him. And this is a man who God wanted to use mightily. It's Samson's relationship with Delilah that leads to his strength being depleted. And it leads him to be bound in chains. It becomes a slave. We we know the enemy starts subtle, but has intentions to make us a slave, right? We've talked about that. And as I prepped this week, and as I looked at this story, I just felt so strongly in my spirit that porn is the church's Delilah. There's too many believers. We've fallen in love with porn, but failed to recognize that porn won't love you back. It's only destroying you. There's so many believers who have already been negatively affected by it. Wifey has caught you. You felt the guilt and the shame. You found yourself isolating. You don't do the plans because you'd rather stay and watch this. It's, it's forced you to lie because you've had to lie and you've had to cover up. It's caused you to, to, to be sneaky. It's, 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 you, you feel its effects already. It's, it's affected your intimacy with God. You, you've seen your relationships negatively affected by it. Yet like Samson, you keep returning. And far too many of us are living with our strength depleted and we're chained. The engagement of pornography is an epidemic in the church. Saw some statistics this week, just on Christians, 15% of Christian women admit to watching it monthly. 64% of men admit to watching it monthly. The porn industry's annual revenue is more than the NFL, NBA, and MLB combined. And we joke about how the church gets excited about football and loves football. We're getting even more excited about something else. Now that's not directly related to the church. That's in the whole, but it's also the revenue is also more than combined revenues of ABC, CBS, and NBC. This is what the world is indulging in. The world loves this stuff. The world's tethered to this thing. 11 is the average age that a child is first exposed. 94% of children will see porn by the age of 14. 
56 of American divorces involve one party having an obsession or an obsessive interest in pornographic websites. 70% of Christian youth pastors report that they have had at least one teen come to them for help in dealing with pornography in the last 12 months. 68% of church-going men, over 50% of pastors view porn on a regular basis. Of young Christian adults, 18 to 24 years old, 76% actively search for porn. Uh, 33% of women aged 25 and under search for porn at least once a month. Only 13% of self-identified Christian women say they have never watched porn. 87% of Christian women have watched porn. 55% of married men and 25% of married women say they watch porn at least once a month. 57% of pastors say porn addiction is the most damaging issue in their congregation. 69% say porn has adversely impacted the church. The statistics tell me this, our men are watching porn, our women are watching porn, our kids are watching porn, and our pastors are watching porn. It's an epidemic in the church. Pastors are telling us porn is the most damaging issue in the church. Porn's wreaking havoc on marriages. Porn isn't a little fox in the church. It's a full-grown fox. And we got to cut off its head. And so today, we're just confronting it for what it is, believing God's going to get us free. We, we've already talked about sexual immorality, the, the grievance it brings to God's heart. We've already talked about that, right? So I just wanted to, and that's the number one priority. That's why we got to rid ourselves of it. That's why we got to get free. I also think there's an understanding that God isn't pleased with us engaging with that. So I, I also wanted to just talk about how pornography practically wreaks havoc in our vineyards of love, okay? Um, porn's effect on the brain, when you engage with pornography, it's similar to that of a drug. So uh, when when you engage with pornography, there's this squirt of dopamine that happens in your brain and that's the feel-good chemical. Okay, so you watch it, squirt. And, and so that dopamine, it's a, it's a feel good feeling. It's what we get when we eat food. It's, you know, if you do take drugs, it can do that. But the problem is it, that, that chemical needs to be stewarded in our brain. It needs time to refill. We're not supposed to live in that place. But as our pornography use intensifies, those, that dopamine release keeps happening and then uh, it gets less sensitive. So now I have to go more often. I have to look more often. Now I'm being drained. My feel-good chemicals are drained. So the things I once enjoyed, I don't enjoy as much anymore. And now I I need to use it more often to fulfill, to satisfy this flesh. So now I'm isolating and now I'm staying away from my relationships. I don't have any intimacy left for my wife or any intimacy left for my husband. So now my marriage is being affected by it. And then as as they have scanned brains uh, with with, uh, excessive pornography use, it actually affects the brain. There's great areas it's showing up it's hindering consistent porn use can overactivate overactivate the brain in such a way the brain is drained of dopamine not releasing it like it used to so now something more is needed to tap back into the pleasure zone and this is where we see the explicitness in the industry 
intensify. This is when uh, what I what started as searches for the soft stuff starts to searches for the medium stuff, but now the medium stuff doesn't fulfill it. So now I'm looking at more intense stuff, but the stuff that's involved in the more intense stuff is sex trafficking, is abuse, right? Is all these things that we would never support, that we would never tell people we engage with, but it's the only thing that lights up my brain. Multiple studies show that consistent engagement with pornography actually changes the brain, changes the shape, changes the way it works. And so as our brain changes, right, it leads to loss of interest in a real life partner, loss of interest in developing the relationship and the intimacy of the relationship it causes desires for isolation, difficulty with social functioning, increase in depression, increase in anxiety, increase in stress. We've been anxious and stressed and depressed. And I wonder if maybe this is contributing to it. Porn decreases ability to delay gratification for future rewards. I need it right now. I got to get it right now. And if you got if you, if you a phone in your pocket, you have access, Right? It's like being a crack addict carrying around crack rocks in your pocket. There, there's a plethora of sexual problems that come along with porn use. It's painful to our spouse. It wreaks havoc on the intimacy and trust we have with one another. Porn use is related to self-loathing, loss of integrity, loss of self-esteem, persistent feelings of guilt and shame. Porn is reaching, wreaking havoc on our relationship with the Lord and it's wreaking havoc on our relationship with others and it's wreaking havoc on us. Destroying our vineyards of love. And so many of us have allowed this fox to live in our vineyards for far too long. So I, I want to try and give you something helpful here. I, I want to give you, provide you with a little battle plan for this. Okay, a, a battle plan because this is a war that we're in. We're in a spiritual battle and there's some steps we gotta take to get free. There's a war we have to engage in and I wanna help teach you how to fight. One of the most helpful things for me was a short verse out of Romans, Romans 12, nine. And it says, love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. And in this circumstance, so many of us are clinging to what is evil. And so what I had to do was, was get into an aggressive confrontation with what pornography actually is, what's taking place behind the screen, behind the cameras. And I had to teach myself to hate it. I had to teach myself, I don't love this. This doesn't satisfy me. This, this is, there are parts of this that are disgusting, that would grieve me as we have daughters, as we have children, as we begin to view people the way that Jesus views them. And when we know that you are God's masterpiece created anew in Christ Jesus to do good things. I can't, I can't just watch his creation do this. I just can't, I can't support this. So what I had to do was I had to step in to the ugly place of porn and, and I had to get new thoughts and I had to take the truth of what it actually 
really is to develop a hatred because it would be that hatred that would help me get free. So I, I wanna bring you in. Judges tells us Samson loved Delilah. He, cl he clung to evil. So we, we have part of how we're gonna get free is we gotta teach ourselves to hate it. And so we gotta address the gross details. I pulled some of this from articles. Tanya Burleson, formerly known as Jersey Jackson says, guys are punching you in the face. You get ripped. Your insides can come out of you. It's never ending. You're viewed as an object, not as a human with the spirit. People do drugs because they can't deal with the way they're being treated. In a study, I also pulled this from an article of convicted child molesters. 77% of those who molested boys and 87% of those who molested girls admitted to the habitual use of pornography, using pornographic images to demonstrate to their victims what they wanted them to do, as well as to lower a child's inhibitions, this is called grooming, and communicate to the child victim that a particular sexual activity is normal, acceptable, and pleasurable. Do we wanna stay tethered to something that child molesters are using to groom kids? And it's like, as, as you step into this, as you think about what it is, what you're taking part in, what you're supporting, I, I just, I, I would imagine it's hard to go back and say, well, I know child molesters are using this, but it's okay for me, right? This is, man, the, as, as we expose ourselves, as we teach ourselves to hate it, it'll be more and more difficult to engage with it, to support it. This is part of how we're gonna get free. A different article. There's sex trafficking happening and the sex trafficking is officially defined as modern day form of slavery in which a commercial sex act is induced by force, fraud, or coercion in which the person induced to perform such an act is under the age of 18. That means any instance in which the individual on screen was forced, tricked, or pressured. That means trafficking in the porn industry is much more common than most, peop most people realize. I don't want to engage with that. I don't want to support that. We, we, we have to hate all that is evil. We in no way want to support or contribute to this, but we, we got to confront these ugly truths. And here's what I need you to know. From a kid who I remember being in fourth grade, I was in my neighbor's yard. I saw a cardboard box. I, 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 it was probably fell out of their own trash. And I remember seeing it. And I go, confused as I'm looking at it. That's gross. And my friend goes, that's sexy. And I'm like, what? You like that? Is this supposed to be good? Right? From, a, from, a, uh, uh, from being in sixth grade. And I remember I was in sixth grade and I followed two seventh grade girls home. We all walked home from school and they brought me into their house and, and they began to awaken love before it so desires. I'm in sixth grade from the kid who then at 16 years old lost his virginity, who began to watch porn almost every single night where it followed me on, until I'm 20 or 21 years old. I'm in relationships. I, I can't connect emotionally. I've struggled with purity, constant text messages, constant nude images, constant sexting. It's it, it, a real, uh, a real sever. I, I have experienced freedom from it. 
And I need you to know, purity is possible. You don't have to watch this crap your whole life. You don't have to stay stuck your whole life. You need a battle plan. And one of the most powerful parts of my own testimony is I'll never forget, I just got involved in a life group. This exists, I've been dating Abigail. Me and Abigail struggled with our purity the whole first year of dating. After a year, we said, hey, we're gonna, we're gonna do this for real. We're gonna honor the Lord in this. And so from that point on, I think we dated for like two more years and, and we didn't do anything. I think there was one stumble. And, and other than that, we, we honored the Lord. I'm just keep it real. Y'all can leave if you want. <laughs> I, and, and, uh, but I had a supplement, I think, and so I'll never forget, we just got back from, um, from our life group, October 15th, 2015, we pull up in the car and this girl just says, hey, I'm really proud of us, but I feel like you're using something else. And I'm like, for me, I didn't joke about this with the homies. I, I didn't talk about this with anybody. I didn't confess this to the life group guys. This is, I'm working really hard. I'm gonna get free. And then when I get free, I'll tell you, I'll tell you how I got free and how I used to struggle with it and how it was a problem. And I'm warring and I'm fighting, but when you fight alone, you lose and I'm drowning. This is every night. Every night I have a date with it. Every night I go home, it's watching it. Every night it's on my phone. Every night. And I'm like, no, this night I'm going to get free. This night I'm going to get free. This week. And, and it keeps coming and it keeps creep, creeping up. And I just remember, she asked me and I can't lie. And I'm like, I got to be honest with you. I'm watching it almost every night. And I just begin to ugly cry. But it was like God hit something and it flowed out and freedom began to flow. It was like, I've been doing this and I'm sorry and I feel disgusting and I'm sorry I'm hurting you. And she's just sitting there and she's crying and I'm crying. But, but I'll tell you what, that was the last day I ever watched it. You're looking at seven years later, set me free. If you confess to one another and you pray for one another, you'll be healed. Step number one, battle plan. We got to confess. After I confessed, I started reading articles on how disgusting it was. When I got the urges, instead of watching it, I'd educate myself. No, this is why I can't. This is why it's ugly. This is why it's disgusting. This is why I don't want anything to do with it. After I confessed, I set up confines. So maybe you got to get some website blockers. Maybe you got to delete some apps. You got to set up some confines to live within. Confess. You got to find confines. You got to get some community. You got to get some guys or you got to get some girls who are checking on you. Hey, how you been doing? How's your eyes? How's your actions? Have, have, you, been, have you been watching? We need some accountability in our lives. So we got to confess. We got to get confines. We got to get community. And then number four, we got to stay consistent. It's not something we practice for a week, but we got to get in the word. We have to get in his presence. We we have to pray, God, give me strength. We got to continue to meet with our accountability partners. We got to continue to keep the app deleted off our phone, not just deleted it for a week. I got to continue. I got to continue. We got to stay consistent. We got to confess. Got to set up confines. We need community and we got to stay consistent. Amen. 
Samson, he's found himself in chains. But if you look in the story in Judges 16, 22, his source of strength was his hair. But come on, when you serve Jesus, there's this thing called grace and he can meet you in any pit. And, and, there, and we see in the Bible, there was women who struggled with stuff for 12 years, right? There was people who, who struggled with stuff for years. But when you know Jesus, time doesn't matter. He's outside of it. There's nothing, there's nothing, what is impossible for the Lord? Nothing, right? And, and so Samson, he's bound in his chains and he has a conversation with God and he says, God, if you'll just meet me one more time, if you'll just meet me one more time, in Judges 16, 22, it says, and Samson's hair began to grow back. And I just believe this morning, some of y'all, chains are gonna break and your hair is gonna grow back. You're gonna get new strength. His grace is gonna set us free. Judges 16, 22, but before long, his hair began to grow back. We can turn the lights down in here. First John 1 John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, but not just forgive you. He wants to cleanse you this morning, right? It says he is just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There's a cleansing that needs to happen. So I just want to take a moment. If we're going to do this battle plan, if we're serious, if we're going to get free, some of us got to confess. And it might not just be porn. It might be some sort of battle with the sexual immorality thing. But if you confess to one another and pray for one another, then you'll get free. And it's embarrassing and it's ugly, but freedom's more important. And I'm just saying... My whole prayer this morning has been, God, sever us from a perverse spirit. Sever that bond. Join us to your spirit. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you'd like to learn more about Destiny Church, how to get connected, or give online, visit destinychurch.me. Have a great week.